0: The subject for the evening talk is the ending of duality. I would, if I may, like to start the evening talk with a a small um, advertisement and which has a political uh, note to it and then explore further the character, the nature of duality and uh, relationship to it, as we experience it in different ways. Um, During the past uh, few years in my travels, I've had the opportunity and immense privilege to meet with varieties of people and a number of whom, whose work in the world and for the the world, I regard with immense affection and uh, appreciation. And I thought it would be rather nice with these people to meet with them, and some makes a number of taped interviews with them. The first person that I made the taped interview with was uh, Ramdas, who was here on a six-week uh, uh, personal retreat some four or five years ago, and he kindly made some time for me to meet with him and then other, various other people from the East and from the West, who have been engaged in service to people and planet. So out of this came a uh, manuscript, which a small London publisher has decided to, has agreed to uh, publish. Basically, the thread of the interviews is connected with those people who have been considerably influenced by their spiritual awarenesses and understanding, and have sought ways and means to express that in the world at large, in, in ver- various ways. Some of those people have been um, uh, well known to us, and others are not well known, but whose work I um, greatly appreciate. So out of, out of this came th- this manuscript and Henrietta and I worked some time in putting, putting it into shape. And one of the people quoted in this uh, manu- manuscript is a person named Jeremy Seabrook. Many of you here won't um, know of him, but uh, Jeremy lives in London and has spent many years in working for the poor, both in Britain, where there is immense poverty and deprivation, and also in the slums of Bombay. And in his writings, he points out, as others and some of your writers here uh, do as well, that in our activities, in our living situation, and what we give priority for, sometimes we very easily neglect our position in life and our direction in life, in its relationship to the direction, or rather, the lack of it, of others. And this can show itself in countless expressions and countless forms. It can show itself from the standpoint of privilege. Can show itself from a standpoint of gender. Can show itself from a standpoint of um, affluence. Of opportunity or whatever. And what Jeremy is pointing out to us and other writers as well, that in our moving forward in our particular life with the kind of direction which we are making in our life, if there is a considerable degree of self-interest in that movement, it might be at the expense of others and we may not actually realise it. And so Jeremy has a book out, of the same uh, small publisher as myself, and it's called The Race for Riches. And what happens in any kind of race, obviously, there are those people who are not in that race. And with that, they get left behind. They are called the poor. And in that relationship, a duality is established between the haves and the have not. And what happens in any drive for more which we experience through the social conditioning, in that drive for more there is also, there is the desire that goes along with it, but with the desire goes the fear of loss. With the effort to secure goes the feeling, the underlying feeling of insecurity. And the insecurity underneath drives one, for the desire for more, to feel more secure. And in that desire and that preoccupation, that one side of the duality, the other side of the duality is forgotten. What is forgotten is that there are people who are left behind, And when people are left behind far enough, when that gap has got big enough, they become forgotten. There's barely a thought of them. And so everything then begins to revolve around, and our media and our society reflects this, it begins to revolve around the haves, and there's barely a mention of the have-nots. And this duality is one expression of duality which is a consequence of insecurity, desire for more and the effort to keep what one has or or extend it even further. And so we see in, in that respect, that duality from the inner life to the outer life, what goes on inside of us ends up manifesting as various differences of structure, and class, and privilege, and underprivilege in our society. And so we end up manufacturing, we might say, these dualities in our world. Sometimes we stop, our mind stops, and we look at what we're doing with our life. We look at this drive for more, and then perhaps we start in the race looking over our shoulders at those who don't have such an opportunity and who are the forgotten peoples. Of the earth, and sometimes we begin to feel quite bad inside of ourselves, quite guilty uh, with what we have. But rather sadly, that then triggers the feelings of more insecurity, it triggers unpleasantness inside of ourselves. So, once again, we start mobilizing to try to feel okay. And when we're trying to feel okay with ourselves, we can spend an inordinate amount of money trying to feel okay. And I would say it's still very much in our society at the present time that the great taboo of society, and it's still not yet discussed, is money. And we might think we are free and and we might think that society has liberated itself from its taboos, but I don't think it has. And I think money is a significant taboo in our society. And the way that this shows itself is people are often prepared to talk about anything except perhaps how much they have in their bank account, how much investments they have, what their weekly wage is, how much they paid for a particular item, how much their rent is, how much their car is, what their debts Alike, how much thought, feeling, desire goes on for having more money? And how many people easily and effortlessly will do that? Talk about that. How many people will say, Look, here's my accounts, here's my money, here's my savings, take a look at it, it's fine. <laughs> so, the t- a taboo is a state of Emotional, psychological insecurity and secrecy. And this secrecy imprison us, pr- imprisons us. And with all the secrecy that goes along with it is I don't have enough. And so that there's always that fantasy and thought about being in some way better off. I think there's a great deal of work to be done by the psychotherapists and spirituality and an exploration to liberate ourselves from these taboos. And money is a major taboo. And with that taboo goes those who are disenfranchised. So we sometimes we see the outer manifestation Of these situations and we see that they can't be unrelated to our inner life and our inner feelings and our inner experiences. Society, in a way, is the movement of mind. Then when we begin to look at ourselves, sometimes and again this kind of work can exacerbate the duality, it can Bring out that duality to a considerable degree. And sometimes the duality shows itself in other ways in our life. And I think we have again a lot to explore. Not only the dualities, and I'll take some examples here, but also how we think about them. There is the duality, and then there's the way of interpreting and thinking about. And during the days that we have been here, we have uh, said on anon- a number of times that the thought about is as significant as the situation. The way of thinking about it comes out of the way of believing it. Now just l- Let's take some examples. Sometimes in our life we're very concerned with, with career. You sit here in the meditation room, you walk, you you spend your day, the thought goes to the future, goes to what am I doing with my life, or what direction do I want to go in in my life. So there is the future. It's conceived of through a particular role, a, a career role. It may be service, it may be other activities. In that movement, there is the objectifying of an original thought, put it under the label career, direction in life, with that original objectified thought comes with it various feelings and thoughts about. So it kind of builds up psychologically a picture, an idea. Sometimes it's a rather confused idea, an uncertain one, and sometimes it gains for us a certain kind of solidity. It, it gains a somethingness. One side of the duality is as it were, being built up. And with that comes some kind of opposite or reaction to it. So sometimes there are things which are quite clear to us. We looked, as we said last night, intention, action, result. It's quite clear what the step is. It's not so dualistic in that mode. And one sees and acts not requiring, requiring such intensity of, and obsessing of thought and feeling and views that one sees and one responds to. But sometimes the dualism comes to be yes, I might do this, I could do this or sometimes it's I will do this, but what then comes along with this is the but and then the but immediately brings in its opposite. And so we find with our thoughts a stream running through and then the opposite manifesting to that consideration in the form of a but. I'm going to change my job, but. I'm going to move out of my relationship, but. I'm going to go back to school, but. I'm going to move out of this apartment, but whatever it might be, and in that, similarly as it takes place in the sitting, I shall continue sitting here, but... (laughs) (laughs) So in this affirmation of one, it invites the opposite. The invitation to the opposite then brings about its own stream of thought. And sometimes there is conflict. I shall take up this career, but is it going to mean a neglect of my spiritual life? I'm going to take up this particular activity, but I won't be able to continue doing this, whatever it might be. So with this this first initial affirmation, when not understood, then arises its opposite. And then we start thinking, and it's like we begin to pile up two different possibilities or more this is called duality this as this duality piles up we begin to think about the polarized situation the mind has been fragmented into a twosome and the twosome appear in conflict with each other I should do this or I could do that and the more we think the more we build up this this house of of burning cards. And in this building up which takes place, we start thinking one or the other. And then one comes down to sit, to talk with somebody and one starts off the sentence. One part of me says I, but the other part of me says I. And we find ourselves polarized in this situation moving, oscillating, swinging back and forth between the two. And then we can't tolerate this situation. It becomes so uncomfortable to be experiencing this, we start reacting, tell to hell with everything, and (laughs) whatever whatever it might be. Or sometimes in the conflict which takes place, then we start to introduce into it some Dharma rhetoric. (laughs) <laughs> the Dharma Rhetoric of letting go. The Dharma Rhetoric I noticed of recent years, very, very popular. Um, I have to find a balance between these things. Yes. <laughs> so then then comes trying to think about it in such a way that one kind of makes a bridge and tries to manipulate these two opposites. I could, but maybe I, I won't, and it's trying to link them up. <laughs> Basically, the intention is one wants it both ways. (laughs) This situation which we find ourselves in, as I say, replays it outwardly as well. The society is the movement of mind. The opposite's inside and the opposite's outside is the movement of mind. What goes on with our soul and what goes on with another is the same as what's going on internally. Perhaps if we can understand this, if we can understand the duality of things, then perhaps in that understanding, perhaps duality loses its, loses the substance, loses its opposites. Two evenings ago, I was speaking in Cambridge, I um, gave a talk on the, the theme of how Our feelings for life affect all personal, social, political, economic and global realities. The feelings cannot be separated from all considerations. And In that talk afterwards, we had a question and answer um, period and some discussion and dialogue. One person in the audience at the meeting said said to me, Christopher, I am a a, a unionist. um, I'm the representative for the union which I uh, work for and he said, and I'm finding it very difficult and, what, and the difficulty I'm finding with it is that I don't know whether to continue doing this work and to do this work or get out of it and I asked him why, what was the, the, mo- the motive in this situation and he said what he finds in doing this work and it's something many of us will experience in different ways He says, what I find in doing it is that it is so confrontational. There are the managers and there are the representatives of the unions. The managers want one thing. I, as a union spokesperson, are working for something else and we seem to clash. And this goes on, as we see, in countless scenarios. Virtually every story that one reads in the newspaper every major issue is the issue of the resolution of duality. Just look at any news item, it's all about duality, conflict, pain and its resolution. So when we're looking at this in our meditative work here, we're looking at it because we're looking at the conceived and often experienced nature of our planet. So it's a serious matter in that respect. So this person said to me, Christopher, here's a situation I don't know whether to be in it or be out of it So the first question I ask, and one of the first things we ever learned in the Eastern tradition, in the Buddhist tradition especially is what is your motive? Get that in order first, look at the motive, get deep inside and dig and see the motives So he said the motive for this work is to have satisfactory working conditions for the workers and the second factor that goes along with it is that they have a pay commiserate with the work that which they are doing And he said, but the difficulty is, and the conflict which I experience conflict is duality, he said, what I experience is that sometimes I find myself feeling in some agreement with some of the points that the managers are making and then it's difficult because I can see the side, yet I'm speaking for another side. And that makes me feel uncomfortable. And he says, "Sometimes I am afraid to say, I'm afraid to speak. I feel uncomfortable about it because I'm not wholeheartedly with one side." And he said, uh, "I don't know if I want to get out." And he said, the confrontational aspect is especially. So I said to him, in such a situation like this, what can you do except perhaps one factor, maybe more, but one thing to really bear in mind in the communication. If you can find ways to speak what you see as being true and to keep faith with what you see as being true because of what you see as being true doesn't make it confrontational. It might be that the others and probably will see it as confrontational but if we can keep with what is true and see what is true perhaps in that we may not experience confrontation because we're responding to what we perceive and we're acknowledging it as what we perceive. And if others see it as a confrontation, then so be it. Otherwise, in constant idea of confrontation, burnout, stress, doubt, fear and the desire to withdraw or feeling to stay will be a like a constant shadow in the communications. When we look internally and we look at the, the same duality manifesting inside of ourself and the the either or situation which arises. First of all as I say, the way we think about the situation is equally as important or equally a product of the situation. And in that, this way of thinking about it, can we dare let go of the initial interpretations which starts off one of the forms, one part of me says this and the other part of me says that. There can't be any reconciliation through interpreting that way because we believe it's the truth. Sometimes, in the situation, the endless thoughts about to do or not to do, we begin to sense how we're piling up and sometimes begin to sense and ask ourselves, am I willing to let go here? Am I willing to undergo some kind of dying in this situation? therefore make some kind of transition from this polarised thinking. Sometimes that seems difficult. It seems too difficult to give up the quest for a resolution. If it's too difficult then perhaps there may be some reflection required. Some reflection required How can I perceive this, the totality, not the separation? How can I perceive the totality of this polarization differently? So instead of the obsessing and just take some quiet time and quiet moments, say, well, how could I look at this quite, quite differently? And if we can begin to listen inwardly to ourselves, we may begin to notice that there are, again, Feelings at work. Feelings, remember, bring the universe, the world together. So the feelings which are at work are feelings which are touching upon the formation. Touching upon the solidity of the idea. So there might be pleasant feelings and unpleasant feelings going back and forth. But then one looks a little carefully, more deeply. What is the support for the duality? What links the duality up that moves us back and forth between one and the other and that keeps it going? And I would say, what holds duality together, what's the glue of duality, is fear. Where there's duality, there is fear. And fear embraces this, but unfortunately, we often, we can't recognise except time to time, the fear, the feeling, the emotional move. All that we can be involved in is the content. What we're obsessing about is the content. The content preoccupies us and we can't see through the content and touch and sense the fear that that supports this, either or, this or that, maybe or maybe not. (coughs) Sometimes we opt for one or the other. We opt for it and we take that on board and we follow that through. Sometimes the option for it is not by choice, The option is that we are carried along by the circumstances. We've tossed and turned and this and that, we've had so much feedback from other people and we've thought and read etc. But, in the end, the circumstances move us along. Sometimes it's not so much the general social circumstances, the fabric which we live in, sometimes we go through this or that, but then there comes the choice. And we then think, we imagine, we've made some kind of independent, free choice amidst all of this conflict. We kind of put a bit of extra energy, so to speak, behind one side and we followed that through. And why have we done that? Not necessarily, Because that's really the direction in life to take up is because we couldn't tolerate the conflict, the duality anymore. And so the only way that we've been known to resolve the duality is to to react against it or to take up one because doing that it seems to be temporarily an end to the problem. But it isn't an end to the problem, it's a postponement of it and because one day, one week, one month, one year later it will arise with the same power and the same unsettledness and the same doubt and and fragmentation as it had last week, last year So I don't think just opting for one or resigning to the other is the resolution which Sees the end of duality. And so often, as I mentioned earlier, within all of this and all of this preoccupation of self who abides in the duality, we may have forgotten everything and everyone else. May have forgotten people and creatures and planet and the dewdrop on the leaf and the signs of the, the new day and the touch of the breeze across our face and the children playing and the ordinary and the everyday. We pay a very heavy price in life for being prisoners of this duality. In that, when we begin to look into the, uh, the character, the formation of this duality and, and the going back and forth. I think to, to look into it carefully, look deeply, one would be to look at what is the intention. What's the intention that's giving support to this? What's the intention which is giving support to that? What's the feeling? Where's where's the fear in all of this? What's the fear doing? What, what's its, What is its influence that reinforces the duality because it's intentions and fears and the deeper intimations have to be there somewhere and I think this that when we're not so much with the content and we're looking in bare terms of duality I think there's an opportunity for some remarkable insights and understanding And you and I in the course of the day, may in different ways be experiencing this manifestation. So if we're exploring, I, and looking into, into that, then one thing, in the looking into, I think, one of the precious freedoms, and here's the intimation of non-duality, here's the intimation of a genuine liberation, is in that, in that intimation, some expression of it is the freedom to look. We tend to think my freedom is bound up in my wanting, in my going after this and overcoming that which is stopping me, or the situation. But I would say freedom is much closer at hand than that. It's not the end of a process it's not somewhere further down the line it's, it's intimated through the freedom to explore freedom to say, there is this situation which I have objectified here is this situation which I have objectified here is the thoughts arising which is solidifying that which I objectified and that other which I've objectified. And it's a great freedom to begin to look into that. If in our looking into that, those two issues, those two things, may not be as substantial as the thought has been stating. For those two issues, to be kept alive as an issue and as a conflict, it can only be kept alive through the thought to keep it alive. Nothing else will keep it alive except the thought. And it's not that we're saying cut off the thought, but we're saying let's understand that the thought is the wood for the fire. Let's not make any mistake about it. The thought is the wood for conflict. But the fear keeps moving. It doesn't stay still. It goes to the spots where one tends to be most vulnerable. It creeps in like a shadow Touching all sorts of areas. The closer one gets to the understanding, the closer one gets to the fear. And the fear overshadows the, the understanding in, in, in extraordinary ways. And then the fear comes in and then the fear says, but if I don't take up one, but if I don't take up the other, then I won't do anything. I'll be stuck, I'll be passive, I'll be indifferent, I won't be going anywhere, I'll be wasting my life, nothing will happen, nothing will change, I'll just be just like I have been for years, (laughs) and blah blah. And so the fear begins to move in and with the fear moving in into that form or expression, that thought and that feeling paralyses. We're believing the thought to the degree that it does give the feeling, the idea of being stuck, because we believe that thought, we've got used to it, we've got used to making the thought the authority for truth. We've got used to thought interpreting and saying this is the way things are, this is how it is and we, we play blind devotion and obedience to what the thought says. So in our willingness to explore all of that, our willingness to experience the intimations of that duality. It requires some degree, some degree of intangible trust, some degree that if one isn't building and manufacturing and conflicting, that somehow the action will come, which is not born of duality. The action comes out of totality. And the fiction of, one part of me says this, and the other part of me says that, is seen to be what it is, a uh, a, a fiction, a fabrication, a ghost story, a nightmare, an unreality. And then the action comes. There's the seeing and the action. There's the freedom and there's the expression of it. And the faith to dissolve these, is this or that. The faith to look into the situation. The faith to explore the, the glue of fear. And so I feel in a way that liberation and freedom and the multiple and diverse expressions of it it's all very, very close at hand. Sometimes we may not recognise the intimations of, of freedom we may not be so familiar with it, its manifestation. And with freedom, freedom since we can't objectify it, since we can't find it, since we can't make something of it, as it were, we can only know through its manifestation We can only know through the way that it unfolds in the world. Until that liberation, until that freedom, until that enlightenment, that awakening is so familiar and so every every day that it shows itself in this gesture and that movement and this activity. And it's just freely expressing. Because the duality, the glue, all of that has been looked into and seen for the emptiness that it is. May all beings see into life. May all beings see into the nature of things. May all beings be liberated.